0: Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. Today, you're listening to Lessons on Leadership, our weekly conversation with inspiring people sharing some of the stories and lessons from their journey.
1: Um, my life today, so I'm, I'm taking risks every single day through what I do instead of going th- through, you know, the prescribed path that everyone has to go through. But I think that comes with um, people who want more. Um, and if you want more, you know, you're going to be able to take a risk and, do things for way less and hope and hoping in the future it would result in something bigger.
0: Our guest today is Zeke Nwanganga, host of the Fired Up KC podcast. we hear about Zeke's early life growing up in Nigeria he made his way to Kansas City for college. And then as he faced adversity, found the resilience and perseverance to make his way through college. Now he launched his own entrepreneurial journey as he pursues his American dream by helping other young entrepreneurs share their stories. Now let's go talk with Zeke. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be together right here before Thanksgiving week and excited to spend time with Zeke, who I just met recently and uh, had such a fascinating conversation. People were walking all around me that I knew and didn't even notice them because I was just uh, mesmerized by Zeke and his story and all the things he was doing and excited to spend time here today and uh, go a little uh, further into that. Um, Zeke is uh, another person who has come here chasing his own American dream um, from Nigeria and um, has a lot of adventures and stories and lessons along the way he's learned and, uh, and continues to learn as he figures out what all he's going to do with uh, these opportunities he's created here and the things he's done to encourage entrepreneurship already in in an early start. So Zeke, why don't you uh, share with everybody a little bit about your story, what it was like to grow up in Nigeria and what inspired you and motivated you and pointed you to UMKC and, and, uh, and taking your journey thousands of miles away to start here in Kansas.
1: Yeah, I mean, first, thank you, Randy, for having me. I'm really humbled being here with uh, legends from Kansas City. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to, to meet everyone here. Um, I see Mike, uh, we, we had a meeting over the, over the week. Um, uh, so yeah, so I'm just gonna try and make it as brief as possible. So I am originally from Nigeria um, and I came here in 2016 to uh, study at UMKC. Uh, before I came to, to, to the U.S., I applied to a couple universities in Houston, Tulsa, and I applied to UMKC, and UMKC gave me a little bit of scholarship, which is some money, um, which you know kind of brought me to come here. Um, but even even before I came here, the 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 major goal was just for me to come here and see if I can improve myself and become a better person. Um, now, fast forward me coming to the United States, um, it wasn't the the glamorous thing I saw on, you know, on uh, Hollywood movies, I was like, I was dropped on truce. And I'm like, wow, this is different. Uh, this is real life. So um, I had to figure out how to get to the bus. Um, my So my brother's friend's sister goes to MKC. So she sent her boyfriend to help me go to the bus stop to get on, on my first bus. Um, I know Kansas City bus is uh, very interesting with people with all walks of life. So it also it shook me because I was like okay this is very interesting um but you know I started my journey when GMkc got there I only knew one person out of the whole university so I was pretty much forced to either grow or uh, kind of be an outcast in, in the campus um, but I, I'm a social person so I easily make friends and kind of meet people um, also me coming here I was a starter which was like a big uh, I used to stammer a lot, which was like a kind of a big um, hindrance for me, uh, being someone who wanted to speak. Um, I remember one time back in Nigeria, I was in high school. We used to have this weekly uh, morning devotion where everyone had to present something on a subject. And at that presentation, I had prepared this awesome speech about um, the first Nigerian president. His name was Nnamdi Azikiwe, which, which is who I am named after and had this great speech of, you know, what he did. But um, uh, funny enough, I couldn't even pronounce my name because I was such a bad stammer. I was just standing there, like tears running down my eyes. I'm like, I, I I have all this together, but I can't see anything. So um, then I came to the US, I, I pretty much had to learn through like YouTube, watching Tony Robbins and some like breath control on how to be able to speak and kind of time all that um but while I was on campus my my first few weeks I saw a friend of mine who was given a tour he was a campus ambassador he was talking to people and I'm like that's what I want to do I want to be able to talk to people but uh I kind of had this hindrance but again I'm like I'm already here if I if I move all the way from Nigeria to the United States I don't think anything is impossible so um I applied and I got the campus ambassador job um it was a terrifying thing because I was a I couldn't, my English was not as good as it is today, but I think it was a good push for me to be able to kind of expose myself out there. Um, And at this point I was uh, majoring in civil engineering and this was 2016, 2017. Uh, Fast forward 2018, I couldn't pay for my tuition. I had to leave UMKC for a semester um, because I was owing over $12,000 um, and there was no way to pay it. Um, I had taken any resources I, I could use, I've gotten all the scholarships I could, but I couldn't pay 12000 um because my dad, who was helping me at the time, uh, was really ill, critically ill. Um, so I had to leave YMKC for the spring semester. I was out for like eight months. And while I was out, I was pretty much hustling you know, doing all kinds of jobs, going to friends, trying to raise the money. Um, and you know, luckily enough for me, I was able to raise up the twelve thousand dollars, which was like the most money I've ever made in my life. Um, the hardest decision was clicking that pay button to pay the whole twelve thousand into UMKC account. I was like, "Wow, I'm rich," and now I have to pay this EMKC. But um, uh, actually, the the reason that took me to pay make that tuition is I think one day because I was in Iowa. My brother lives in Iowa. I didn't put it all together. My brother lives in Iowa. He has a business there. Um, I was driving on the highway and I kept hearing a voice. Um, I was on, on the passing lane and I kept hearing a voice say, change lanes to the middle lane. And I was like, why would I do that? It's like a 12, it's 12 p.m. The the freeway is clear. There is no traffic. Everyone's just driving normal. But the voice kept saying, change lanes to the right lane. And I was like, it just kept bothering me. And it came to a point I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And I kid you not, it was like something from a movie but I moved from the passing lane, immediately I moved from the passing lane to the middle lane, Um, I saw this tire, like this tire that came from another car bounce off. And it literally bounced off, I'm bounced right where I was supposed to be on the passing lane. And I looked in my rear view mirror and the the, the tire crashed into all the cars behind me, all the cars just like crashing into each other. And at that moment, there was like this peace and quiet in my car, there was this silence. And it just told me, are you ready to go back now? I'm like, yep. I guess that's it. That's time for me to move from Iowa back to Kansas City. I was like, there's no other clear message anywhere you can hear it. So um, that was when I said uh, I was gonna go back. And at that point, this was I think this was around um, June, July. And at this moment, I'm an I'm an international student. That means I could have been deported if I if I was like um, if I was ever seen around. But my mom visited the U.S. then, and she she was so scared and concerned about me. But I told her one thing. Um, that every time we talk, she always reminds me of what I told her. I told her that I have come this far and there's no way I'm going back. Just don't worry about me. Things will work out. And that kind of made her, you know, calm down and know that, okay, he, he's got it. So, and fast forward today, I'm still here. So um, that worked out. Uh, but uh, it was a risk for me to come back because I was already out of status. It was a risk for me to be able to come back to MKC. It was a risk Um you know, people were like, man, I I don't know why you want to do that. That's risky. I don't even if you apply if you get accepted. But as faithful have it, I, I applied and I got accepted. I came back to MKC fall of 2018. I came back and I realized that I didn't want to do engineering. I was more of a people person. I want to do something that'd be able to impact people. Cause while I was out in my eight month journey, I read books like Think and Grow Rich, Paul Versus Christian's Mind, you know, preached that part that trying to discover like kind of who I am and kind of my perspective. And when I came back, I'm like, all these books I've read, it's time to apply it into doing things. So I came on campus. I started Fired Up as an organization to talk about purpose, God, and being able to kind of define who the person is and find their purpose. And uh, Fired Up came about because I'm I'm very energetic. So I was like, you got to be fired up about your purpose, fired up about your passion and be able to do things you need to do. So it was more of an organization just where students would come together and talk about purpose. But then um, later that year, I met a guy. His name is Caleb. He became my very good friend. Um, He went on a a talk show, uh, and uh, while he was on a talk show, uh, like a it was like a campus radio station that he went. He was like, "This is really cool. We should start ours." I'm like, "I don't know about that. I'm no, I know nothing about radio." But he was like, "Yeah, we can start." I'm like, "You know what? Since you want us to start it, you're gonna be the host. I'm gonna be the co-host. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna come and help you out." And he was like, cool. So we went on the training day. I was not paying any attention because I'm like, I'm not going to be the one doing this show. I'm just going to sit down. Uh, fast forward, the day was supposed to like shoot our first show. Um, Caleb p- plays basketball. He had a basketball training that day and it was left on me to start the show. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. I wasn't even, plan- I didn't, I didn't plan to do this. Um, but while I was out there, I was waiting and I was talking to my friend, um, and she told me, yo, you're already here. Cause I was feeling sick. I'm like, I don't want to do this. He's, he's like, usually you're like, you're already here. You might as well just walk in and try it. I'm like, yeah, I guess I would do it. So I stepped into the studio, called a friend of mine and I told her, hey, come through, come help me out with this thing. And she came through, she put the studio together, whatever, and put the stop button and we started recording. And it was just pretty much talking about purpose. And at that time I was taking a marketing class where my professor would invite entrepreneurs McKenzie, business leaders, to speak in our class. And I saw opportunity to be able to expand my audience. And I said, I could bring these people on my show. And what I would do is every single class, um, whenever the speakers were done, I would leave class and rush after them and get their cards, connect with them on LinkedIn. And that's kind of how I sort of beat on my LinkedIn. Um, And then invite them on the show. My first guest, so her name was Terry Jordan. Um, She had a really inspiring story um, how she did did research and we was able to, uh, I think she had allergies and also she had cancer. Her was just so inspirational. Like I was, she lit me up and uh, fast forward uh, that year, towards the end of that year, my dad passed away while I was just trying to figure out this whole organization podcast, school, everything. Um, So it was was a very tough time in 2018, fall 2018 was very tough for me. Um, But during that time, I also got to schedule an interview with, the chancellor of my campus, the dean, and also got to uh, uh, invite Mayor Quinton Lucas on my show, which he said yes, which was like a big, I was like, oh my God, this is this is not happening. Um, but fast forward, to, you know, 20, I think it was, uh, well, I, think, I think the Mayor Q show was in 2019. Yes, this was in 2019, but fast forward, you know, I, I changed my major to business administration, uh, but now I'm graduated, there's still more in the story. But if, you know, as as we go, I might explain more. But that's a long, short story of uh, my journey to the U.S.
0: That's great. If anybody have questions, type in the chat and let me know. Well, what was it like growing up in Nigeria? I think from our perspective, from the news, we know it seems relatively uh, dangerous compared to life here. What was your experience? And when did you start to plant that seed that you were going to come to the United States and what was even your vision of what coming to the United States would look like?
1: Yeah I mean honestly growing up in Nigeria. I grew up in one of the poorest towns in Nigeria. Um, uh, it's my environment so there was you know there, there, there was a lot of violence in terms of there was kidnapping there was you know robbery and all that kind of stuff but uh, my parents always told me where not to go and where to be at so we just had to be at the right place at the right time not to. Um, I mean, my dad was actually kidnapped at one one time, but I don't know how he escaped and he got back. He's a strong guy. I don't know how he did it, but very strong guy. Um, But my childhood was very rare because my dad married. He he married more than one wife at the same time, living in the same house. It it was a, a polygamous family. So and we were the only polygamous family in the whole entire neighborhood. No one else except me. So. I grew up always having to answer the question of what is what does it feel like to live in a house where there was more than one family in the same house. Um, so that was kind of my childhood. It was there was always, uh, you know, there was always fighting going on either between my dad or his wife, or so between my dad and my mom, um, or my siblings and my dad because there was always this, this tension. Um, but I grew up being able to. I, I was I'm, I'm the last kid, so I. I was always the one who would just be in between the whole thing um and just being able to kind of see the situation um kind of translate for myself and still find happiness and joy in, in between all this chaos happening around me now when i started planning a vision of coming to the u.s was i think i was probably like eight or nine years old i'll be washing my dad's car and i'll have this vision um there was just two popular actors in nigeria um, their names, they're they're called Aki and Popo, and they did this movie where they're like there are they look like kids but they're adults like they are you know but they did this movie where they came to the U.S. and they were like having fun and doing all this fun stuff. So every time I would imagine myself in the U.S., I would use that picture frame of them coming to the U.S. you know coming down from the plane, and that was kind of my mind frame. Each time I was washing a car, I would put myself in the U.S. walking on the streets, you know, meeting people. And, you know, I didn't know how that would come back because I didn't have anyone in the U.S. I had no family member in the U.S. at that time. But I just kept planning in my head and fast forward 20, 2016, things happened the way it did. And I came to the U.S. So, yeah, my childhood was definitely, definitely, definitely interested. My dad had, um, you know, he had a gun and which I, till today I'm always terrified of guns because of the fact that he always used a gun as a threat to anyone even to his kids his family um it was kind of his you know for like the play. What, what would he what, what he would use to overpower people and whatnot so but that was kind of uh i'm not sure of my childhood um uh, i mean there was a time when my dad decided not to give my family money so me and my mom um i was telling them mike the other day me and my mom we had to um take fruits vegetables to the market to go and hawk and sell and whatever we, we would sell that day, we would literally eat, like we would use that to buy and cook fruit for the day. Uh, I'll, I'll climb like the, I'll climb the trees to get the fruits down, you know, be able to help as much as possible. But at that time it was a thing of joy. So whenever I look back to that, I'm like, man, it's been a long way. So, but yeah, that's kind of like, like a brief, uh, another brief long story.
0: Let's go over to uh, Isaac.
2: Yeah, Zeke, thank
1: you for sharing your story. You know, I almost feel like you come from my village. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know about climbing on trees and getting food. So here's the question I have for you from the people that I've interacted with. There's a a good number of people out there. Whenever they go through tough times, they, they lean more towards blaming other people, the government, their boss, their parents. But you seem like you've kept a very positive outlook on life despite all these tough transitions. So how do you manage to stay positive despite what's happening? Yeah, thank you, Isaac. And um I'm supposed to connect with you, Isaac. so this, this is a this is a, a good meeting point. So well, thank you for that question. But I mean, um uh, I mean, I feel like you know, growing up in the town that I grew up in, for me, um, especially I think it was more like my dad because my dad is a person who always went out to get things the way he wanted. He, he never worked a nine-to-five. He was always either contracted or something like that. So I always saw him go through different situations and came out on top. And somehow he came out on how he did it. So I think um, subconsciously, that kind of branded this mindset of like, things are going bad right now, but it always be better. There was always be, you know, hills and valleys. But whenever you're in the valley, just realize that, hey, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just for a time being. Um, it's not personal. From what I say is, it's like, life is not personal. It just happens to everyone. And it just depends on how you translate it. Um, I have, we all have different situation, things happen to everyone. So it's like, if anyone takes it personal, then it becomes all about them. You know, it's not about anyone. You know, I think something someone said, they say life is, um, life is fair because it's unfair to everyone. So that's kind of my mode I go with where it's like, things are hard, but it will always be, although there will be something life is not perfect. So I always keep going. So, yeah.
3: Thanks.
0: Yeah, you, know, you had several big moments there where you had to take leaps of faith and particularly, you know, going through losing your father. I know that was another time that was challenging where you couldn't even go back. Yes. Yeah. How did you coach yourself through? those times of uncertainty that you've had to face multiple times there and uh, you know change degrees go raise the money i mean uh, big obstacles are hitting you at a very early age but you somehow mustered the strength and the resilience to to push through
1: yeah i mean um, thank you for that question i mean if if i if i tell you that at the moment i thought i was going to be able to make it i'd be lying i had no idea how this was going to happen um i would have panic attacks um i remember a couple of times i would literally sit in a car just like trying to control my my this was in 2018 i was trying to like control my breathing I was like i don't know what what's going to happen next and um i started reading all kinds of books i think books was the only way i, I, I could escape through those situations because i would be able to um read books of people who've already conquered the situations and see like how did they do this how were they able to um, manage their situations. Um, I think the one book that I, re- I read, uh, I think it was by Stephen Fordick. I think it was like, Shut, shut Out the, the Box. So I, I forgot what the name is, but it was more about him talking about this than where your mind plays tricks on you, where it tells you the worst things that could happen even though it might not happen that way. And he says... Why don't you just let your mind tell you that and just say, OK, this is the worst situation. All right. If worse comes to worse, this is what happens. What is what is it that, that happened? This is the worst that can happen. And then you move on. And that was the time for me to be able to say, OK, the mind is telling me that this is going to happen. You're going to be deported. Um, you're not going to be able to get back to school. You're not going to become anything. OK, cool. What else do you have to clear at me? And that was it was a hard way to do it. But um, it's always been me telling myself, hey, if, if it gets worse, it gets worse. Um. But I think for me, um, the Bible has always been a great, um, you know, uh, has been like a great foundation for me, honestly, um, because I always go back there. I'm like, okay, people who've gone through uh, struggles and also read books like Napoleon Hill, you know, his uh, the one book that really inspired me is I think it was it's called Within the Devil. Um, And that book is just it's just uh, all different kinds of level. A lot of people might not like it, but it's it's just a ah, phenomenal book. Like if anyone wants to be able to get in the mind game of understanding, it's just phenomenal. So I think books has always been the way for me to see how people have gone through situations. I know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Let's go over here to Mike. I think he wants to talk about books. I know Mike's a big reader. <laughs>
1: ZK, just real fast. I mean, you started touching upon it, you know, shortly after I texted it but yeah your favorite books are napoleon hill obviously the bible so explicate that you know the what i've not heard think and grow rich is the one book that i'm familiar with mm-hmm. you know, by napoleon hill what is the other one yeah so it's called out with the devil out it. um I might, my accent might not be good but i'm just gonna type it in here so that way um hopefully i get the spelling right but uh I think it's out with it, uh, the devil, but it's, it's a book and he basically, let me make sure I get this spelling right. There we go. Yeah. So in the book, he basically talks about how, um, we, as you know, human humans, we have this mindset of there's a God, there's a devil. And he talks about the positive energy that we call God, the the, the thing we call God is the positive energy. And the thing we call devil is negative energy. And those two energies walk in tandem. They have their jobs and what they do, it's not personal, it's just how life works. And he talks about the, the the one thing I took out from that book is definiteness of purpose. If you have definite purpose and you're able to connect your emotion, your passion to that, regardless of what, you know, the negative impacts bring your way, you always be towards the positive. The positive will always call you. So, um, so the book is is pretty much being able to understand that in life there is positive and there's negative. You choose which path you want to go to, but that doesn't mean that negative things will not happen to you, even though you choose the positive side. Just being able to know that it is uh, it's a step by step process. So that that was hands down my favorite book. Um, another book that I read. I don't know, I don't know who the author is, but if you search it, you find it. It's called. The power of your subconscious mind, um, and then I think I read another one, 12 Pillars. Uh, I forgot who it was by. I think it's Twelve Pillars. I'm pretty sure it's Twelve Pillars. Um, yeah, so I think those were like kind of the the major books. I, I know I've, I've I, I had I have other ones that I've read, but I can't remember their names. But those are like the ones that I um, hold there. That really, each time I want to go back to a book, those are my three books that I go back to. Thank you so much. Um, the, you, I'm I'm going to order the uh, outwitting the the devil today. So, appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I can tell uh, Steve's familiar with it because he's giving us an overview here of uh of outwitting the devil. So, yeah, you you must be familiar with that book, Steve.
2: <laughs> uh I was uh introduced to Outwitting the Devil when I was working with uh Youth to Christ, and we visited the Jackson County Detention Facility. Uh, there's an extension of that in Lee Summit. It's um, I've forgotten the name of it for the moment, but uh, we we started a book club, and uh, I just took I would take my uh, Amazon and do the audio version of Outwitting the Devil one chapter at a time. So I'm not gonna walk you through the Seven Steps of Outwitting the Devil. It's a book that Napoleon Hill wrote that was not published until 30 years after his death because it's quite controversial. Um, But rather than me walk you through the Seven Steps of Outwitting the Devil, I think, uh, Zeke, if, if maybe you should walk us through the seven steps of winning the devil
1: okay yeah I'll, I'll try i'll try as much as possible um yeah i mean i think uh, uh, steve has the whole thing here so i'm pretty much going to read it out and kind of kind of like kind of go through it so i think the first one is intentionality of purpose um purpose driven intention which is basically um, you have to have uh, like a, a where you're going to and be able to be focused on that because if you have a destination you're going to, things might come your way, but it's more of you being able to focus on that path that you want to go to. Um, and I think it comes down to, uh, I don't know if they have a, I think it comes down to definite definiteness of purpose, being able to have a defined purpose, um, even if you're not sure what it is, but having a, a direction you're going towards leaves, makes sure makes the distractions less. Um, I think the next one is um, mastering over self-spiritual, mental, physical, and relationships. I think in the second one, the main thing that I I really took out of that one is relationships. Um, Being able to have someone on your side that builds with you, because that is the most important thing. Having an emotional connection with someone who energizes you, someone who um, understands you, who has a plan or a goal to help you succeed and work in tandem time with the person. That's I think that was the one take I took from that. Um, and then three is learn from, from adversity, which is basically, um, when you go through situations, being able to learn from how, how that worked or how it didn't work. Instead of saying, I failed, knowing that failure is only a stepping stone to where you're going. Failure kind of teaches you, um, so four is control control environment influence. Um, I'm not really sure. I remember a lot about this one, um, but I'm gonna skip to five. So time given given give, give, give permanence to positive rather than negative thought habits. Um, so yeah. So basically, like like what I was saying is it is a positive or a negative power. So you the more you, the one you give more time to, is the one that you go towards more. Um, Instead of trying to say, oh, woe is me, Uh, everything's happening to me, and why is it happening to this person? My everything is not working for me. And instead of saying that, try and be able to strategize, how can I make things better? How can I learn? How can I grow? Um, Six, um, so harmony, acting with intentionality, purpose. Um, So basically, this one, I think it's very important in terms of uh, being intentional in what you do. Um, and not just being haphazardly about anything you do and being intentional. And uh I think that shows in your work. If you do something that you're passionate about and you are really trying to make a way in it, uh the universe will find ways to kind of bring things to you. Uh caution, seventh one, plan before you act. Um and I know this one is one that as a young person I struggle with a lot, which is basically uh instead of doing first and planning last, planning first before doing. So um I think, yeah, I think it's, the book is, is it's pretty in depth. Um, and I I, w- I would definitely say a lot, like Steve said, it was very controversial. It is very controversial because it talks about religion. And I think that was a big deal why it was not released because of how it went deep on religion. So yeah, definitely. So um,
2: definitely. As an old person, I've given a, given a lot of thought to purpose. I'm fascinated by the fact that as a young person, you have identified a purpose. Maybe I've missed that already, but what have you established as your purpose?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, my purpose in life has, is always being able to connect people with people, um, being able to live with people. And that's kind of what I do with like my podcast and my show, any way that I can bring, um, positivity to where I'm at, at the moment, that's what I do. Um, any way that I can engage to improve people's life and wherever I'm at, um, either in resources or however I can be able to promote people. And that's kind of what I do every day. go out and be able to see who can I help today? Who can I be able to, you know, do one thing to help their business or whatever they're doing, grow. And I think to me, that's my purpose, bringing a smile, bringing joy to the face of someone in any way, shape or form. Um, and I enjoy doing that when I, someone being, you know, thankful for something I did for them or someone just being happy that this happened for me, I am happy with them. I think Mr. Kurt had a question. Um, I'm kind of, uh, yeah. yeah. So can you kind of like bring the question up?
3: Sure. So, yeah, and I think I think Randy David was kind of responding to part of my question there. But first, um, Zeke, congratulations on that purpose. I mean, I think that's good. And to me, the purpose, what I have found haven't matched or where I've seen conflict, sometimes organizations toddle up talk a lot about purpose and their why, right? Why do we exist? What are we doing? But I've found if that doesn't align with an individual's purpose, then so what about the organization's purpose if mm-hmm. that purpose doesn't align with an individual's purpose? So there's gotta be some synergy there. But I guess part of my question before, so I appreciate that, and, I, and again, like, like Steve said to you, I admire you for figuring some of that out before your hair turns this color, right, Steve? (laughs) Or it gets like Randy's. Um, But separate from that, my question earlier was the country, the US, was founded. We were a bunch of immigrants because we wanted something better. And so we were a bunch of entrepreneurs, right? We came over. And one of my hypotheses on the chaos in society right now is we're 250 years old, the longest standing democracy in the history of the world. Um, So our perspective on risk, so we're pretty comfortable. So one of my questions is, um, and this is where I tried to loop in David, but is that you're an immigrant, you have culturally perhaps a different perspective on risk um then what's your take on people's tolerance and i understand like david said that individuals have different risk tolerances we're all wired differently god made us different right so we have different risk tolerances but how does culture so our environment affect propensity for risk and what are your observations um, as an as an immigrant and as a worldly guy Ben, when most of us probably don't have that perspective.
1: Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Thank you for all the positive compliments. I am I'm humbled. Um, but I think generally in terms of risk alternative talents, um, I think people, especially from my country, um or from you know, third world countries, uh, we face so much hardship that when we come here, we know that we have everything to lose. I mean, and that's like you have to grind to the last. So every risk you take, you are expecting something huge to come out of it. Um, for me, generally, um, like you said, everyone has a different risk uh, tolerance. Um, my life today, so I'm I'm taking risks every single day do what I do instead of going through, you know, the prescribed path that everyone has to go through. But I think that comes with, um, people who want more, um, and if you want more, you know, you're going to be able to take a risk and do things for way less and hope and hoping in, in, in future it would result in something bigger. But I think for me personally, in terms of culturally, um, I, I was pretty much thrown into risks by the day they dropped me out of truce. That was the, the first risk I took. And I was like, I'm already in it. There is either swim or die. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I learned. And every single day, that's what I do now, where it's like, you know what, it's it's a risk. And I know that for me to get here, I had to take this risk. So for me to get to the next level, I have to take another risk. Um, and it's it's more of a fear of failure. Um, and a lot of people fear failure so much that they don't even start. And I think that's the thing that is hooking our generation where it's like people have all these visions of things they want to do. But I'm like, if only you could see ahead of you, which you can't see ahead of you, you can only see today, you will take the risk and, and see what it will come out of. The worst that could happen is you fail and people are so scared of failure that they never they never even try to do what they want to do, um, which is at the end of the day, you fail because you didn't do what you wanted to do. So in terms of the risk tolerance, I would, uh, I would enjoy more failing now than in the future being like, man, I could have been doing that so.
0: That's great insight. Kurt, I apologize. I don't know how your question scrolled off my screen. I'm glad you guys picked up on it and made sure you got to ask it. <laughs> oh, I, no I missed that. But let's uh, go to, uh, yeah, let's go to oh, Linda. Thank you so much. Linda, are you there?
3: I'm here. I'm here. I have loved everything that you've talked about, uh, your positive. Positive messages—they're uh, great on a Friday, but they're great on any day. But as you look around at all of us, how could we be of service to you? Because as we think through your story and how much you have risked, and each and every day to do something different, and I love what you just said—that you want more, and then you want more—how could we be of service to you? Because this is a pretty cool group.
1: Thank you, Linda. I appreciate you and. Speaking of a cool group, I am. You have no idea. I'm so humbled to be here. Like I am so honored and humbled to be here. Like I am the most grateful person. Um, Randy, thank you so much for bringing me on. Um, I'm more than excited. I was telling Mike, I am just humble. That I, I don't even know why he chose me, but I am humbled. So, oh, um, we all know why he chose you. <laughs> no question about that. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, but I mean, what? A, um, how. I would need help with this because what I'm trying to do in Kansas City in general is be able to put us on a, on, on a map, on a side that we have not been put on a map, which is media on entrepreneurship in a way that we can be the next Atlanta, the next New York. And what I'm trying to do is be able to give, give voices to people who are doing great things in Kansas City. And my platform, I do that every single day and trying to be able to get out as many episodes as possible and get out as many people as I can. Um, what I need help with generally is you know, two things. First is who you know that would be helpful to come on and talk about what they do. And um, not actually not two things. Um, and then secondly, I would say, who do you think this would benefit or who do you think should hear about this? Um, because our generation, what I'm trying to do is young people are so focused on either doing the the, the cliche thing on social media that no one is focusing on the future things. Um, or 10 years ahead of time, which is entrepreneurship is big. And there's no one on the young side, you know, Gen Z's are not paying attention to that. They're just focused on, you know, TikTok, um, Instagram. But I'm trying to be able to bring the legends like yourself who are on the Zoom today, be able to, you know, speak to young people. So who do you know that could be on the show? That would be great for expanding the reach and um in terms of you know who can listen to it and also is if there's any connection that can help the show expand um, in terms of reaching a greater audience, in terms of, you know, sort of find what we do um, and kind of helping people see what we do. And yeah, and I'm always down for any ideas of ways um, that I can expand, because at this point I'm pretty much trying to uh, hustle it up and I'm pretty much doing it. It's me and my co-host who run the whole thing. So any way that, you know, support that come. Well, I'm definitely down to this. you know
0: what you, and you talked a little bit about about what generations focus on and you had so many challenges and so many things going on in your life and you could have been very internally focused and instead you channeled all that into I want to create a platform and help promote entrepreneurship and give voices to to young entrepreneurs and young up-and-comers that's one that just shows a lot about your heart that you even steered your passion and your energy that direction to focus on others when you could have been just focused on yourself but what have you learned from those stories and sharing those stories who are you know have you seen people grow from that from the exposure that you helped create
1: um i think one thing is i've learned is you never know who's going to be a big deal in the future so you better start making good friends now um Cause I have, I I kid you not, I've had a couple of people on my show that have just blown up, and I'm like, oh my god, I didn't see them getting those million dollar deals. I'm like, what? And I did a show with them like maybe like two years ago. So, I think being able to bring value without expecting anything back has, you know, being able to see the people that I know go on do spectacular things. Um, it, it it gives me joy. Um, being able to put people on a platform where you know help them tell their stories in different ways. Because I I'm I like to connect with people, and that's what I do every day. Um, Any way that I can meet people. Um, I, I, this might be funny, but I am an introvert. Um, I might be talking here, but if you meet me one-on-one where we're not having a coffee meeting, I sit down and just not talk. I, I don't talk a lot on, unless I am an event like this on my show. So sometimes it might rub people wrong because they're like, oh, he doesn't like to say hi or something like that. I just am very introverted. Um, but... I I would say, yeah, what I've learned is being able to meet with people and show everyone the same respect and the same value that you show whoever you think is the top person and um, kind of see that grow and see the person take off and be like, man, I knew that person before they started and now look at where they are. So, um, yeah, I'm always humbled by those experiences and I hope to be able to help more people use my platform as a stepping stone. And that's gonna be goal, being able to use my platform as where well. people come on and be like, oh, ask the next entrepreneur. We're gonna go talk to them. So, yeah.
0: Let's go to uh, Mike.
4: Good to see you again. <laughs> Hi, Mike. We're becoming close friends this week. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so this is funny how, I wanna tell how I <clears throat> connected with Zeke and kind of a little serendipitous moment <clears throat> but i also want to kind of get your thoughts on kind of the diversity equity and inclusion um, and try how your show is doing that coming into a screen i'm looking at it, one other face of color which is isaac on the screen and facing that you know a lot in kansas city and so bringing on faces of color to your program and promoting them I'd love to hear your strategy there. So Zeke and I first met in person at a DEI conversation uh, two weeks ago, of which there was 50 women and four men. And we were both sitting there kind of going, "Huh, okay, why? what are we doing in this room? Um, and you ask a question about like, how do you get more people into those situations and especially younger people into those situations? So, I'm just curious of kind of do you have a strategy for um, equity and inclusion and bringing faces of color on to fire it up so that you can help promote them uh, to groups <clears throat> like this one where you don't see a lot of diversity on the screen?
1: yeah, I mean, thank thank you so much, Mike. Uh, I appreciate you. also, thank you for lunch this week. That was great. Thank you so much. Uh, um also, yeah, so, I mean, honestly, uh, what I do is a lot of my shows, more percent of my shows have been people of color because I feel like in most media they're not really, really well, well you know, represented. So um, the word that I would use is access. I think um, in my situation I've been able to go into uncomfortable buildings, uncomfortable, you know, meetings. Um, like the one me and Mike went to, there was like um, a lot of women and just few guys. And those situations I've been able to put myself in. And I think what I brought up in that meeting is being able to um, have both sides in terms of you know, the white community and the, you know, uh, the people of color, um, wh- where the, you know, the white community steps into those zones where they're not comfortable, uh, where there is you know, more people of color than there are white people. And I think that intersects um, the connections because you know, I think that kind of makes it grow further. Um, in terms of what I do, I think the most important thing is access. Um, access is very, um, very important because if I don't get access to the next level, I'm not going to be able to bring the people that I have with me to the next level. And I think it would be, um, so being able to have the interchange of, uh, everyone being exposed to something new and not being scared of what that new thing is. I think, uh, I think I was talking with, uh uh i think i was talking with a lady the other, the other day or uh over zoom you know, you know we're talking about how you know gen z's baby boomers and all that that whole struggle of um they're not doing this they're doing this a different way i think is being able to get exposed and be uncomfortable and learn from each other so i would say you know access um i bring a lot of entrepreneurs who are people of calling Kansas city and be able to kind of showcase your story and kind of give them a platform that everyone can see what they're doing um. So yeah, access one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, you talked about competing with the Atlantas and New Yorks. So, you know, how have you? Um, you know what? What's the pathway to that? To one, getting your show more exposure on the coast, and and two, getting these businesses more exposure on the coast. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I was I met with uh, a Stutland News. Uh, I think it was oh, about a week ago. And my goal is just being able to partner with big corporations. Like, um, I think I was talking with, um, so far style and they were like, they have financials like CBS. So I think the way to be able to expose ourselves is being able to be, um, collaborative with, with this huge brands, like either CBS, you know, Netflix or, uh, places that have a lot of audience and that can, like, can that can give us a stamp of, yo, they are doing things, cool, cool things. And when I met with solid news, I had, um, but like, five um, show ideas that i have but i want to produce those shows in a bigger much a bigger production company because i think that would be um stamp a stamp of approval for kansas city in terms of um, production wise so yeah so i think that that'll that, be the way to go instead of leaving kansas city to go to atlanta to do shows we bring those um huge um, companies to kansas city to produce our own shows and that's kind of my vision i've already you know met with Scotland news and if anyone knows any connection that would help expand that vision further that would be the way to go
0: have you uh been back to nigeria or do you ever see in your future that there's some link to creating opportunity between nigeria and here
1: yeah, i haven't been back yet but there is a 100 percent vision because i grew up like i said i grew up in a in like in a town where um, I had to like go through flooding to go to school. Like I was always flooding around. Um, there's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not good. So there's a lot of people who I've seen that are talented. Um, my, my town is called Abba. It's, we, we call it the, the China of Nigeria because in Abba, there are the people who work with their hands. They produce, if they see something, they're going to make some a copy of it. Um, so they're very industrious and I see the opportunities and talent, but it's like no one is showcasing them because if people can see it, they can buy it. Um, and my goal is to be able to go back one day a day, do a, do something for that would expose the talent that we have and kind of you know help people grow. So I see that vision every single day of what I do, but first, I be I need to be able to certify what I'm doing before I can be able to go back and help someone else.
0: Well, this was awesome, Zeke. I love spending time with you, just as I did before. Uh, I, you. after I met you, I sent a text to Mike and said, you got to go meet Zeke. And I think I was the third person or something that had told him <laughs> <laughs> that in just a few days. So
1: <laughs> Thank you.
3: Thank you.
0: So you're definitely being recognized for your heart and your passion and your energy and and what you're bringing to our community. And so just keep that up. It's it's going to be awesome. Everyone can see it in you. It's going to be awesome. You're the most outgoing introverted guy I've ever sat <laughs> with.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Randy. I really appreciate
0: it. It was great spending time with everyone. I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving week and enjoy time with your families. And we will get back together again after uh, the holiday.
2: Thank see, you. Good Thank luck you. with all Thank you do, you. buddy.
1: Thank you so much.